0: You know, I think it was David, I can't remember what song, but he says, your nearness is my good, you know, and just that awareness of God is so huge in the life of a believer. Sometimes we're not always aware that he's near, you know, but he's always in the midst of the things that we're going through. You know, kind of like Jacob when he had that dream and he woke up from it in the Old Testament, but he says, you know, God was here, but I wasn't even aware of it. You know, and for me, I think, you know, one of my um, highest values is the presence of God. And we want to be a church that honors his presence, you know, and to honor the presence of God, um, we can't always be in a hurry. We have to sometimes slow down to allow for heaven to show us something. And I think for me, like being on the sabbatical, I just want to really say thank you to this church community that values rest. And that values, um, you know, blessing your pastor in this way. There's things in life sometimes that you know you need, but you actually aren't aware that you needed them. And, you know, God will do that. Sometimes there's like a friend he brings into your life or a random conversation or a job you didn't even realize you needed that but then you're in it and you're like, oh, wow, God, you're so good. This sabbatical was a lot like that for me. I I went in it not burnt out or not even that tired. I was kind of in fifth gear. I normally am, and I was like, we're good. But I knew Holy Spirit about six months before had started talking to me about the need to take a sabbatical. So I was like, okay, I just want to obey the voice of God. The last one was five years ago, and... But, you know, we have a board that kind of okays decisions, financial ones, and, you know, and Mark in, in the role of um, worship pastor. And, you know, it's always weird when you tell people, hey, I want to go on sabbatical, you know, and then they respond, yes. I'm like, wait, what's wrong? <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's exactly what you need. Yes, you know, and I'm like, okay, maybe they're seeing something I'm not seeing. <laughs> I need some rest. Um, but you know, my son, Jeremiah, I have seven kids and, um, I don't even know what number Jeremiah is just, he's in the midst, he's almost 14, he's 13. But, uh, for my boys, I want to spend a year of intentional discipleship with them and invest in them and just kind of pouring a little more. I didn't do Jeremiah's year really well when he was 13 or 12. So we're kind of like redoing it. Um, but we were at super Kuka's, you know, spending time talking about stuff and, uh, you know, uh, Jeremiah goes to me and says, Dad, what have you been doing on your sabbatical? This was like two weeks before it ended. And I, and I didn't even need much time to kind of like process that, but I just said, I've been reading, I've been reflecting, I've been praying, and I've been spending time with you kids. And so if you want to know what I've been doing on this sabbatical, I've been doing a lot of reading, a lot of reflecting, a lot of praying, and then spending time with my kids. And it was Exactly, what God wanted to give me as a gift. Um, I don't want to give the impression, though, that I had like a two-month season of being like a monk because I I do have seven kids that require a lot of responsibility um, and part-time job and seven kids that require a lot of responsibility. Um, And there's always just a lot going on on our property. Um, But there's something about hitting the pause button, you know, and before I went on sabbatical, I talked about this, but, you know, the Israelites were told to plow the land, you know, take care of it, you know, harvest it, just pull it, you know, get the nutrients going in the soil and then, you know, harvest time and all that goodness for six years. And then they were told to rest one year and don't touch it, just hands off, let it just replenish itself and grow Um, But there's something about rhythms in our life, and I just want to kind of cast that out there. I really believe as a community and as a church body that God wants us to grow in a healthier rhythm, a rhythm with him, a rhythm with the school year in Isla Vista, um, that this church is always on, you know, in a good way. But when we hit the summer, it's a time to pull back and to rest and recover and let God replenish our soil. I don't really have a crazy word today. Um, Just kind of put the expectation out there. I'm just kind of giving you guys reflections from the sabbatical. Is that okay? Maybe next week, crazy word. (laughs) But today, I just want to kind of share what's been happening these last two months for me. Um, The sabbatical, it really helped clarify for me the desire to be an unhurried pastor, a present pastor, and a pastor that prays and prays often. I really desire that. You know, most pastors are um, often quite busy, if not way too busy. And if you've ever known or looked up any stats on pastors, they're really bad, like really bad, from burnout, marital problems, financial problems. Obviously we know about scandals and things of that nature. And no matter where you go or what church you're gonna be in, I would say pray for your pastor. Pray for those in leadership. This isn't actually my word. This is actually out of the Bible, but it says pray for those, you know, because one day I'm going to give an account on behalf of you guys. And so what pastors need is they need the prayers of their people and they need to be able to feel that there is support coming from the church of God and the house of God. I feel like one of the most blessed pastors ever. I've always felt support from this community in this church and these people. That's why you got me a little choked up earlier. Because you guys are incredible. This church, like you love Jesus and you love one another. And you guys over the years have very much, you know, as the Bible says, spurred me on to love and good deeds. You know, and I'm praying that this year is a year that God does something he's never done before. That he moves in ways we haven't seen him move. And I feel like, you know, it's funny as it sounds, maybe Mark said this to me, but like the Avengers have assembled. It feels like this church is the healthiest we've ever been. We have the most married couples we've ever had, the most kids we've ever had. It feels like Holy Spirit is doing something in our community right now that is so special. And the last thing I want to do is touch it or mess it up. And so I need prayer, Mark needs prayer, you know, that we would allow Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do this year. And that we wouldn't try to put our agenda on it, you know, or even on our life. Yeah. Um, Before the sabbatical, I was doing a lot of like, I guess you can call it life coaching on the side and a little bit of counseling, like a little side hustle. Um, You know, but going through the sabbatical... I felt like God made it crystal clear that I'm supposed to lay down all life coaching and all counseling and that my focus is him, this church and the city. And, you know, I was you know, what's crazy, though, is and this is what makes it hard is life coaching and counseling. We're getting wonderful results. I was like actually doing a great job helping people with the 60 day challenge, moving things forward, seeing breakthrough. Anytime I do side counseling, God was showing up, you know, encountering lives and stuff. And there's something about applause in our society that our ego, my ego, you know, was like, this feels good. We're pastoring. It feels like you're wiping a lot of butts. I've wiped a lot over the years. There's not a lot of, like, thankfulness. Some of you are probably like, what does pastor do the other six days? Totally cool. Fine. I do a few other things. Um, But you know what I mean? There's just no, like, wow. Where when you're doing life coaching, you're doing counseling, you're getting results. You're moving things. You're moving people. But in this season, and for what God's doing in this ministry, in this church, I believe he's calling me to be 100% all in. And my original call, I, had, I got ambushed by the love of God in 2001. I would say probably within the first week, I already felt like there was a call to ministry. I couldn't put words on it back then. I was too young. I didn't grow up Christian. I just felt this sense that Holy Spirit was like, I've called you to love me and to love people. And over the years, like, I never even tried to be a pastor. I didn't. I, didn't, I mean, I tried to go to seminary three times every time. God just shut it down. One time, I, I just never wanted to listen. I felt like I needed to do that. And I was fully enrolled in doing it, and then I just, I got out. God was like, this is not you. It says that the disciples, they were uneducated and untrained men, but the people had recognized them as being with Jesus. And that should be the most important thing in any leadership role, that whoever's leading anything, that they love Jesus above everything. And you can see Christ, maybe not all of them, but some of them in those people. You know, and I'll say this, guys, and this is why I'm so thankful for the sabbatical, because unless I stopped for 60 days, there's just no way I would have heard God in this. I just don't believe he could have broke through. I literally needed to stop everything so I can get clarity on what he's saying. Romans 8.14, those who are being led by the Spirit of God are the mature, or just, it says, the sons and daughters of God. Those who are being led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. I just want to say, this year, I'm praying this for our community and our family and my life, that we are a church that are being led by the Holy Spirit. It's easy to get into just routine, and this is how we do things, and this is how we show up, but God wants to break in. God wants to show himself that he is real. God wants to get our attention so that he can start showing himself off in greater measures. This church, guys, we've gone through different seasons. I love the season we're in. In some ways, I'm like, this is the best season. But in the early years, healing was moving very powerfully in IVC. I don't see a lot of healing today. Deliverance, I got so many stories for you guys. I used to cast out tons of demons. I haven't really cast many demons out lately. I'm not saying that's what we should pursue. Jesus was never a demon hunter. He was just expanding the kingdom. Demons would come. You got to go. But as people start coming into the church community, there's going to be more and more stuff like this that is needed. Because when light goes here, darkness shows up more. And the Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violent and violent men take it by force. I don't even know what that verse fully means. But I just know like we got to take it by force. You know, and that the kingdom is a growing kingdom and it comes through the sons and daughters of God. Me and Mark were talking about the prophetic. You know, I'm so glad we honor prophecy in this church. I'm so glad you can testify to that, you know. But there was a day when you couldn't come to this community for at least maybe, maybe you can make it three weeks. And someone didn't blast you like that. Or multiple people. Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially you may prophesy. I mean, it's saying pursue love, yes. But pursue the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy because it encourages, it edifies, it comforts. It's a very important gift to the health of a church community. And a church that values identity and sonship and daughtership, like the prophetic is massive because it always is speaking to who you are. Hi. <laughs> Feels a little serious, but it's hot. So we could be a little serious when it's hot. Um, yeah, you know, I wrote it here, but I just said, you know, this sabbatical, it gave me 2020 vision when it came to just what, what God is saying for my life. And I know I already said this, but when He called me to Isla Vista, it was about a person and it was about a place. And I feel like my prayer life's changing right now. I feel like God has been calling me to pray for Isla Vista more than he has in the past years even. You know, and, and scripture, it, it doesn't lie. God's not a man that he should lie. You know, and when Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, when they come into agreement, it shall be done. And if you ask anything in the name of Jesus, and if you ask, seek, knock, right? If you ask, what's going to happen? i going to give it seek, you're going to find, if you knock, it's going to be open. Guys, prayer is powerful. And if you don't know this, this is God's word, not mine. You are a priest to God. You are a priest. We don't, I'm, I'm going to go buy that for you guys. I'm gonna put that little thing on you. I'm like, I am a priest. I feel very priestly. We are all priests before God, which means we pray on behalf of the people to God. And Jesus played the role of prophet, priest, and king. And in some ways, we all are called into that same ministry. And what does a prophet do? He speaks on behalf of God to the people. And what does a king do? He brings rulership, ownership, stewardship over what's been entrusted to him. But you are all priests. And there would be no IVC today if it wasn't for prayer. I just want to tell you that. This church literally started in prayer. The city was so dark compared to where it was at today. All we knew how to do was pray. The first, there wouldn't even be Jesus burgers if we didn't pray. The first one we showed up, it was covered in clouds. It started raining. I got new believer zeal, you know. I'm like, let's get around and pray, you know. And everyone's like, what? I'm like, yeah, God does these things. We pray. The sky literally, as we're praying, parts. I mean, God knows how little faith we have, right? He's like, if I didn't part that, they would have probably just quit. <laughs> so I better move on this one, guys. Get going. <laughs> there is no perseverance in their prayer life quite yet. <laughs> mm, Lord, if you live in Isla Vista, I want to present a challenge. And it's this. Once a month, only 30 minutes, walk around the city and Pray. Once a month, 30 minutes. If you're in Isla Vista, pray. For those that don't live in Isla Vista, once a month in your own neighborhood. Those who want, you know, extra credit, come to Isla Vista and do it. (laughs) Heaven sees, (laughs) heaven rewards. But for real, like if we're not a praying church, if we're not asking God for our city, if we're not contending for what's happening there, then it's like we're missing it, we're off. The people of God are off if we're not praying. I talk about it all the time I'm not going to go down this right now but you know it's easy especially as you get older in the Lord to start drifting from Jesus. It really is. And as a church gets older, it's easy to start drifting from the mission of what he said. And I want us to be a church that never drifts from Jesus. That's what makes sense to me this person, this man who saved me, who rescued me, who gave his life for me, that makes sense to me. A lot of things in life, even in church culture and communities, don't make sense to me. I'm like, what the right? And then the mission has always been Isla Vista. And we cannot drift from that mission. Yes to Santa Barbara, yes to this region, but we're kind of holding it down in that city, right? we have the stake in the ground. And I don't know, you know, what heaven's doing entirely. I just know God loves I Vista and desires that city to come to know him in a real way. And I'll tell you this, if you led someone to the Lord, I love this story. This guy who was not at all an evangelist, you know how we love terms in church culture. Um, but one night, he was at, late at Jesus Burger's right? And he starts sharing the faith to this guy. He met him in the back. The guy was peeing on the house. You JB people know what's up. Um, gotta get those floodlights. Uh, he's peeing on the house, and my friend's like, yo, why did I not do this? He's like, I gotta go. You know, the guy was like so drunk. Um, but quick, right when my friend started talking to him, he literally sobers up. He comes to his right mind. My friend sits with him for like, I think he said 30 minutes, maybe an hour, just laid out the goodness of God, who Jesus is. The guy accepts Christ that night, right? In a real way, like repentance, the whole shebang. I remember my friend that next morning he calls me. He's like, Jason, if this is what an evangelist is, I want to be an evangelist. You know? <laughs> and there's just something special about newborn babies. There's something special about people coming to know the Lord. And you've heard me say this before. Newborns are messy. Uh, We're raising one right now, crapping in her pants, peeing, crying, making my life hard at times. But it's like, I love her. And God loves family and God loves to extend family. And so I pray that we would be a church that embraces the newborns and we're okay with the mess. This church used to be a lot messier. I'm not advocating mess. You know, I'm I'm pastoring. I don't want mess. Lord, you know I don't want mess. But like, mess is normal. You know, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And that we would be a church that emphasizes loudly the mercy of God. Loudly the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. That our God looks like Jesus. Right? If you've seen the Father, you've seen the Son, and vice versa. There's no one hiding behind the face of God than the face of Jesus. All right, I don't want to say much about this next topic um, just because I feel like I'm just giving you guys some reflection. Sound good? Okay, I lack a little clarity on this and it feels a little personal maybe. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think one of the big things for me during the sabbatical, along with just... The call of God back to him, back to pastoring. Um, I came off of social media for 60 days. And I, I, we have a family channel. I updated that and stuff. But I never jumped on my personal account, Facebook. I wasn't checking out stories, none of those things. Um, and I know social media ain't going anywhere. And this is why I say I'm not going to say a ton because I don't feel like I even have clearly. But something happened to me like something healing I mean that's a strong word but it felt like it gave back part of something to me that was taken and you know it was a challenge at first like you're like on autopilot like I went to the app and I'm like why am I doing that I'm off back to the app okay I'm gonna hide the app Okay, I hit the app. Now I'm scrolling down to pull up the app. Now I had to get on Google how to get those cookies off or whatever it is so I can't pull down. You know what I mean? Like I was taking all these things to get that thing away. Okay, not too funny. Um, This is serious Yeah, So this is a little personal up in here. Um, But I just don't know if we're supposed to be that aware of everyone's life. And the biggest thing for me is I realized my highest value was being compromised. And that's the presence of God. It was distracting me from him. Because you know how it is. You can go on to see something, then you see something, then you're on that trail, and you're like, how did I get here? Anybody? Happened to a few of you, maybe once. And I think, you know, I was hanging out with Andrew at the family dinner and stuff, and we were talking, and I was telling him, like, I've been off. He's like, oh, so you know nothing going on in my life? I'm like, I got zero. I was like, like, oh, okay. So literally, he tells me about the last 60 days. It was kind of cool. I didn't have to get it through a story. Um, Went to New York, time with his family, other things. Uh, But um, he asked me, what was the question? He said, what do you feel like was kind of the best, like, habit or some new routine or whatever God gave you. And I really couldn't think of anything except one thing that changed dramatically for me is every morning. Now, the first thing I do is I listen to two chapters in the old Testament and I read one in the new, and that's been going on now for about 40 something days, but that's, changing something. Some of you may already do that. Start your day with the Bible before your phone. But like, man, I feel like something got rewired by just going to God first, hearing the word of God over me, reading the word of God, bringing my heart before him in the morning. It says in Isaiah, morning by morning, talking about Jesus, he trained my ear to hear as a disciple. Like you can't live off of yesterday's bread. If you're not spending time with God You know, you're getting old manna. You're eating old things. God, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He has new words for you. And you've heard me say this before. If you read the word, come with an expectation that God wants to speak to you through the word. Some of us just read it like it's another book. It's not another book. The God of the cosmos who created everything, your next breath. Thank you, God, for that breath. He designed this book how he wanted this book to come into reality. And learning to trust the scriptures, learning to trust the voice of God through the scriptures, that could be a journey for some of you. So, yeah, I mean, my phone was pulling me away from God, not to God. I'll be the first to say that. And if you haven't checked your screen time, you might not want to. You're maybe not ready for that. You know how we can do that with God? God. You're like, I don't want to talk to God because, like, he's going to want to bring that up. So, like, I'm going to avoid it. We might do that right now with our phones. We're just like, no, 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 no screen time. But start small. I would encourage you. Take a day of the week. I used to already, I was already doing a day of the week, mostly Tuesdays. Not the full day, but most of the day. I would no, no social media, no nothing. But start small. Try three, try five, try a week. Sometimes we don't know where we're at with something, you know, until we just put it on the altar. It's hard to put some things on the altar in our lives. Hmm. All right. I'm moving into my last thing. <laughs> They're like, fine. I love you guys. Um, okay. My last, uh, my last you know, thing I want to share, it's actually exciting news. And no, we're not pregnant. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I told him, like, I think I'm done. But we've just, Lord, please. All right, we might not. I don't know. Lord, we're getting old. God. Probably the word that's been prophesied over my life the most is Abraham. So it's like, oh, gosh, why? Why? Um, so most of you guys are aware of the miracle of the field of dreams. It's 0.6 of an acre. My family house is on it. Multiple people in our church live there and on it now. Our sound studios are there. Um, and uh, 2018, it had been two years, uh, our house was on the that our whole property was on the market because our um, land, landlords, my man, lived next door uh, and they were selling it. But they put it on the market for such a crazy amount. And we always believed that this was God's property, but it was so high, it was like, what the world? So we just prayed. Like, for two years, that's all we did. We prayed, and we prayed, and we waited, and we prayed, and we waited. You know, and Holly just, she's got like tiger faith. She just bites down and just, I'm gonna get you. Um, so she just prayed. (laughs) And, uh, And so we saw the window. We said, this is the window. It dropped to 1.4, went on the market at 2.8, you know, and it it fell out of escrow this crazy supernatural way because this guy found out I was connected with Jesus Burgers. He's like, I can't take this house from you. Where's your family going to go? He just, like, bounced out of escrow. So we saw it. We're like, this is the window that we've been waiting. This was the issue, though, is we needed over $200,000 in 30 days, and the church had zero money, and we had zero money. So we're looking at two accounts. We're like, there's none in the church account there's none here. Then some churches are like, well, we can go to the partners. We didn't have any partners. We had no donors. You know, we've never done great with like encouraging the family with giving or like alumni's give back. We just, it is what it is. We did a KFC bucket for most of this church's history. Uh, praise God for online. I think it's better for our uh, giving. <laughs> um, so anyway, long story short, it was loaves and fishes. Even someone in India gave like two bucks. Um, and it was like fifty, a hundred, a 1, thousand. Biggest gift was five thousand until like one of the last days. And this church, the San Maria Healing Rooms, um, someone put me in contact with the pastor. He shared their story of how someone gifted them their whole building—just supernatural stuff. It was like he was just doing it to release faith. You know, you can release faith by the testimony. So, testimony, of Jesus, the Spirit, of prophecy. The more you share the testimonies, the more it releases faith. Um, so he did that, and I it did. It released faith. I told him our story. He prayed. That was it. Calls me back probably six hours later. He's like, hey, I talked to our board. We want to give you guys 50000 And I was like, what? And that was the amount we needed in about three days. And it was like, Jesus, you got this. So I thought that was the Goliath. I was like, that's a freaking Goliath. You slayed a God. You are amazing. You know, you know how, okay, I mm, can sound rude, um, if you're going on a mission trip, you know, and you need like 5,000, you kind of need to like work with God. This amount was so crazy. It was like, God, I can't even help you. Like, just do you. Like, I got nothing. I got nothing, God. Like, nothing. How do you want me to get 200,000? <laughs> so anyway, that was all God. And I believe this will be the testimony of I in the years to come. Look what God did. Look what God did. Look what God did. Never around Mark, me, or anyone else. Um, so then we went into uh, our mortgage payment. And the guy who helped us get into it, we thought we can get it refi right away. You know, refinance the place, get the mortgage payment down from 12000 to something reasonable really quick. Okay. So when they looked at our credit, you know, and our church and our history, they were like, nobody wanted to touch that. They're like, why would we ever lend you guys money and help you and be like your backing? And it was like, so we fell through like four different times over the course of a year and a half to this day. I do not know how we paid that mortgage payment. Coop, Jake's wife, was the bookkeeper. I never asked. I never wanted to know I was, who was giving. I was just like, do we have it? And she's like, we do. I was like, praise God, <laughs> next month. You know. And we thought every month we were going to get it refinanced. And it just didn't work for different reasons. And it was heartbreaking. And during that time, we lost four children, too, through miscarriage. So there was just a lot of loss in about a year and a half um, window. But we were just trusting God, right? Do you know that your trust to God is your gift back to God? The more you learn to trust God with things, your gift that back to him. That's a beautiful thing when your children trust you. Um so f- this guy who from the beginning this whole story is so wild. I can't even get into it. But anyway, from the beginning, this guy Ed St. George, he's a builder. I just felt like we were supposed to connect with him. And that, that was even before we were still like in like like escrow or all these things. We not we didn't even have the place, and I already felt like God was highlighting this guy. Um but long story short, it didn't work out. I tried to make inroads with him, wasn't working, da-da-da. You know, and then one uh one day he has a meeting at UCSB with Chancellor Yang, and he leaves that meeting, and he recognized what Isla Vista needs more than anything is healthy community. Because he wants to build places so that good students can live there in healthy community. So then he has the thought, wait, Jason and Holly have been doing this for like 20 years. So he literally calls me up, and he's like, hey, could we meet, you know? So again, fast forward and everything. We get into a partnership with this guy. And we become fifty-fifty partners, but he puts up two hundred thousand to drop the mortgage down to a million, right? And then he helps us get it refinanced, which was like, glory to God. It took our twelve thousand, it ballooned up to I think fourteen for a few months, down to like sixty five hundred. Thank you for all you who are still supporting the field of dreams because we believe in a long-term vision for that place. Um to be a mission space, right? That will bring people from all over the world to this city, you know, artists, musicians, whoever wants to come. And we're just going to like pour in the kingdom and send people out. It was probably a decade ago that God gave me a word. I remember it's clear as day, we were meeting in my backyard under the tent. But he said, this church will be a womb for the sons and daughters of God. You will help birth the sons and daughters to send them out into the world. Um, so here's the good news. Okay. I'll just teen it up for myself to knock it out, okay, people? Um, so so we're like five years. Um, it's kind of in our mind when we can probably break ground out of this The great thing about being in partnership with this guy, Ed St. George, he's going to build out the whole thing on his own dime. We don't put up any money. Um, he has his in-house architect company, construction company. You can pray for Ed um, that he just stays in this lane of generosity uh, because he sees it as a legacy project. He sees it, he's at about 60, and he wants to just build this thing. And he's a businessman. He's not looking to lose any money, but he's not trying to, like, you know, rake it in off of this venture. Um, but we can't build. If, if, if we weren't in a drought, ground would have already been broken. We would already be building. Things would already be moving. But we're in a drought. This whole region is. So there's no um, construction for pre-existing there's no building for pre-existing construction um, is what we've been told. So we've been thinking, like, okay, this drought will lift. It feels like the days of Elijah, right? You got to, we're, if you don't know, this is a little bit of a charismatic church, you know, so sometimes I've told believers, I'm like, pray for rain. They're like, oh, yes, Lord, send the rain. I'm like, no, real rain. Like, real rain is what we need, you know? <laughs> They're like, just rain the spirit down on them. I'm like, okay, pray for both, but we need real rain to do what we need to do here, um, but uh, uh, So anyway, I get this text on Holly's birthday, which is, you know, all significant, all prophetic. Um, it's at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or so. Me and Holly are down in St. Diego, just us with no talking kids and a baby, uh, because we're going to Mexico the next day for our um, 20 years. And the text says, hey, bro, call me. And I don't recognize the number, so I'm like... I'm definitely not calling you. I'm on sabbatical. I'm not calling anyone right now, um, so I just leave it right. And then I get another text at like I think it was eight thirty, um, and it says, "Hey Jason, it's Ed. Give me a call." I was like, "Oh wow." He had switched numbers. I didn't know, so that was his new number. Um, but he calls me up and he says um, that the county has approved a five bedroom. ADU to be built on the field of dreams what is crazy about this an ADU is an accessory dwelling unit normally those are like one bedroom Ed's like the biggest I've ever built was three when he submitted it to the county they thought it was a typo because he was asking for five so he's literally going to build he said I'm going to build your family a five-bedroom home on the field of dreams beginning next summer that's crazy so nuts. So crazy. Only God. Seriously. And I want to say thank you, because I know some of you, Mark was like, dude, we were praying that God would give the Lomolinos a new home. I'm like, well, only God could have done something like that. So next summer, they're going to break ground and start building out a five-bedroom ADU on the property in that back corner. Um, and for me, I just see it as, as the first installment of like this mission base, like taking more form in our city. Amen. Amen. Isn't that wild? Yes, Lord. You know, and what's wild is like, Ed, he, he isn't like Jesus is King. Uh, his best friend, is a, a solid Holy Ghost believer, and he sends him verses every day, and Ed believes in God. He's God-fearing and all that. But, you know, when we went into partnership with Ed, it felt like um, in the Old Testament there was a king named Cyrus, and he was very instrumental in helping uh, the Israelites build the temple of God again. But he wasn't a believer. He wasn't an Israelite. And we have felt Ed is in that same role with this community and this church. And, I mean, it was amazing because Ed didn't even know what to make of it. I can tell he was like, dude, this has to be God because it's like I don't know how they approved a five-bedroom ADU in Isla Vista. Amen, amen. Cool. Cool.